0: A listener note, this episode originally aired in 2018. It's February 1st, 1973. Lamar Muse, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, sits down to breakfast at his Dallas home. He unfolds a copy of the Dallas Morning News. Headlines about the Vietnam War dominate the front page. Muse reads the first page, then opens the paper. On page three, there's a full-page ad that stops him cold. Just four lines take up the whole page. Braniff's get-acquainted sale, half price to Houston's Hobby Airport, $13 coach, $17 first class. Muse nearly spits out his coffee. Those bastards! Braniff, a Dallas-based carrier, has been suing everyone it can think of since 1967 just to keep Southwest Airlines from competing with it inside Texas. But since Southwest won the last round, Braniff is now ready to fight its competitor using Southwest's best weapon against it, cheap fares. This is the first volley in a price war that promises to be bruising, one aimed at sinking Southwest. Braniff's $13 coach price is half of Southwest's $26 fare from Dallas to Houston. And to make things worse for Mews, Braniff is offering those rock-bottom fares on struggling Southwest's only profitable route. Muse can hardly contain his rage. He grabs the kitchen phone. Killer? Herb? Herb! God's sakes, man, get the hell out of bed! Get yourself to the airport and be on the first Southwest flight out of San Antonio to Dallas. Why? Those bastards at Braniff, that's why. They're trying to take us down. Muse rushes to his office. He knows the situation is dire. Muse could get Kelleher to sue Braniff. They've long been locked in legal battle. Or, or he could play chicken and match Braniff. At $13, both airlines will bleed money. But Southwest is already highly leveraged. It can't afford to sustain losses for as long as Braniff probably can. An extended fare war? could end with Southwest nose-diving into bankruptcy. Suddenly, as he's driving to meet Kelleher, he remembers that he has a meeting with a realtor this same morning. He's buying a new condo for his wife. Muse calls up to cancel and tells the agent of his predicament. The realtor offers him an idea. When banks want to win over new customers from others, they just give stuff away. You know, toasters, waffle irons... Maybe y'all should try that. Muse ends the call, and at first he writes off the realtor is out of touch. But then he rolls the idea around in his head. Waffle irons and toasters seem like strange things to hand out to people on a plane, but giving them something? Yes, actually, that makes sense. Muse thinks to himself, what? What would our mostly male, mostly business-traveling customers like to get for free? And almost instantly, he has it. Booze. Lots and lots of booze. Yeah, Southwest will be flying high all right, but only part of that will be because of the altitude. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event, Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies Advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world, with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at Opportunitylouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. Listening to the second episode of our Southwest vs. American Airlines series Dogfight over Dallas. In our last episode, Southwest Airlines battled its rivals Braniff and Texas International in court for years, just so it could finally win the right to fly. Once aloft, the airline immediately ran into financial headwinds, overextending itself by buying too many planes too soon. Its solution was revolutionary. It came up with a way to turn planes around at the gate in just 10 minutes, faster by far than anyone else in the business. This allowed Southwest to squeeze in more flights than its competitors and to keep its prices at rock bottom. Thousands of customers arrive. Sensing a rival that could eat into the lucrative legacy airline market, Southwest's competitors are now trying to snuff out Southwest with a fair war. When Herb Kelleher arrives at the Love Field office, Muse launches into a rant about Braniff's offer of $13 airfares, half of what Southwest charges. And worse, Braniff has targeted a route that generates 70% of Southwest's revenue. Even though the offer is only good for two months, Kelleher worries that consumers won't appreciate the long-term effect of what this price war could do. We've been trying to give people more for less, not less for less. New planes, more on-time flights, nicer people. What has Braniff been doing other than suing us? If they think it's all about low prices, then they just don't get it. And it might be too late for us once they do figure it out. I've got something I think they'll understand. Kelleher runs his hand through his hair and wonders what in God's name Muse has come up with this time. Bill just hang on until we see our admin." The two get into Muse's car. They make the short 15-minute drive from Bluff Field to the downtown Dallas offices of the Bloom Agency, Southwest's advertising firm. There, Muse pulls out a manila envelope and unfolds a two-page newspaper ad he's already sketched out. He hands it to a couple of Bloom executives. Okay, now look here, on the right page, Right here, we're going to list all the reasons you shouldn't fly Brennan. All the anti-competitive things they've done, like suing us non-stop for three and a half years. The agency executives look worried. Lamar, are you aiming for a libel suit? What do you mean? This is the kind of aggressive advertising we've always done. I don't remember you objecting when we flew a plane right at one of our hostesses. What Lamar is talking about here is Southwest's first TV ad in 1971. It featured a 737 flying just a couple of hundred feet off the ground, barreling down a runway toward an actress portraying a hostess. She's dressed in the airline's trademark outfit of orange hot pants, a breast-hugging sweater, and go-go boots. The plane sails over her. Remember what it was like before there was somebody else up there who loved you? There was no such thing as executive class service to Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. With first-class leg room, free cocktails for everyone, and a schedule you could depend on. Remember? Muse wants something as memorable as that racy ad, but one that's less about the nod-and-wink sex appeal that played on the double entendre of the company's home base, Love Field. Southwest calls itself the Love Airline, but today, Muse is not in a loving mood. In fact, he's ready to pick a fight with Braniff. Look, just matching Braniff isn't good enough. Oh, we'll match them all right, but we'll also give customers a reason to pay full price. Your plan to beat Braniff is to get your customers to pay full price? Damn straight! We're going to give them a fifth of whiskey, maybe a fifth of vodka, their choice. Why would anyone pay full fare just to get a fifth of booze? Because most of our passengers are businessmen with expense accounts. Their companies don't really care whether they reimburse their businessmen $13 or $26 in expenses, but it does matter to the passengers they get to walk away with a bottle of booze. Kelleher, Muse, and Southwest's own madmen agree that this plan is just crazy enough to work. Just two days after Braniff's initial ad appears, Southwest runs a two-page response in Dallas and Houston papers. It's Southwest's call to arms. On the left-hand page, in big, bold type, it reads... No one is going to shoot Southwest Airlines out of the sky for a lousy $13. Muse's signature is right under that. The right side of the page reads, If they'll fly you for $13 and that's what you really want, we'll fly you for $13. Or, read on. The finer print lists the terms of the liquor giveaway. Muse prints up 50,000 flyers with a similar message. Southwest staffers, including hostesses and pilots in their flight uniforms, volunteer to spend two days fanning out across downtown Dallas and Houston, distributing the flyers to passers-by. Muse dispatches other staffers to load up Love Field with cases of Shivas Regal, Jack Daniels, Crown Royal, and Smirnoff vodka. And if any non-drinkers get on board, he orders 1,000 leather padded ice buckets from a Dallas-based discount retailer. A few weeks into the giveaway, a Southwest staffer gets a call from a friend whose husband is a frequent Southwest passenger. And the friend has... well, it's not a complaint, actually. How much of this stuff are you Southwest people going to give away? I just opened our hallway closet the other day and a stack of whiskey bottles fell over on me. Nearly three-quarters of all passengers choose to fly Southwest at twice the Braniff Fair and clutching their fifth of booze as they get off the plane. Still, the work of fighting a fair war does take its toll. One night in March, Kelleher returns home to San Antonio. His 12-year-old daughter watches as Kelleher lumbers to the front door. His shoulders are slumped. What's the matter, Dad? You look really down. It's it's just this fair war. It's such a tough fight. Kelleher's daughter contemplates the statement for a few seconds. Well, Dad, you started it. Finally, on April Fool's Day, 1973, Braniff blinks. It ends its sale. Southwest continues to offer $13 fares to San Antonio, but it ends its liquor giveaway and $13 weekday fares to Houston. Muse tallies the numbers and reports some remarkable findings to the board over breakfast in Dallas. For the months of February and March, Southwest Airlines gave away more Shivas Regal than was actually sold in all of Texas. And Shivas hasn't even bothered to send us a thank you note. (laughs) Our passenger count was up 66% in the last month of the $13 sale, and in March, Southwest Airlines posted its first monthly profit. $18,173. Okay, okay, so it's not a ton of money. But for the first time since Kelleher begged the board five years ago to fight its rivals in court, Southwest Airlines is in the black. But in his presentation to the board, Muse leaves out one crucial piece of bad news. There's a new trial underway. This time, the cities of Dallas and Fort Worth are suing Southwest. The airline refuses to move to the new Dallas-Fort Worth airport that's just about to open on 18,000 acres of Texas prairie. Kelleher and Muse and everyone else at Southwest thinks that DFW's remote location is too far for their commuter airline passengers going from say Dallas to Houston. Muse offers the same line to city leaders who call and ask him to reconsider. No one wants to drive 45 minutes and take a 55 minute flight to a place you can drive to in three hours. We'll go broke. On the trial's opening day, Kelleher picks up Muse in his brand new Mercedes. He's a legal genius and a tireless worker. But Kelleher is not a detail person, and he's forgotten to find out one thing. Lamar, where exactly is the federal courthouse? Damn it, Herb, I don't know where it is. We're in one of the most important business trials of the century. How are we supposed to win if my own damn lawyer can't even find the freaking courthouse? Eventually, clumsily, they navigate their way to the building. They don't know it when they arrive at the trial, but they have also just steered themselves, and Southwest, onto a collision course with yet another competitor, American Airlines. Listen up, business owners and entrepreneurs. If you've ever been to a trade show, you know the risk of spending tens of thousands of dollars just for retail buyers to walk right past your booth without batting an eye. Well, Volcanic is the one-stop, all-around solution to brand and buyer connection. Skip the trade shows. Forget the rep groups. Volcanic allows you to message retailers directly and showcase your products. With a Volcanic account, you can see which retailers are interested in your products and find new retailers that are a perfect fit for your target market. See what buyers are looking for and instantly jump into a live chat room when a buyer spends more than 60 seconds on your page. Track industry trends and analytics so that you can produce what the market is demanding. Volcanic makes it easy for your products to be seen across all channels, unlike others who only host a few. So if you're looking for an easy and efficient way to get your products on store shelves, you've got to check out Volcanic. Visit VolcanicRetail.com to get started for free today. That's VolcanicRetail.com. School's out for summer, but if your business is running on QuickBooks, you'll never get a break. QuickBooks' manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays will leave you scrambling for the numbers you need. Failing to graduate to NetSuite will leave you stuck in summer school while your friends party. All right, now I love a quippy analogy as much as an ex-guy, but you really should take this seriously because NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system no matter how big your business grows. NetSuite gives you invaluable visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Folks, NetSuite is quite simply everything you need to grow all in one place. So come on, what are you waiting for? Automate your processes with NetSuite and close your books in no time. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control since graduating from QuickBooks to NetSuite. And now is a great time to check out NetSuite because special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to graduate today. Head to NetSuite.com slash wars right now. That's special financing at NetSuite.com slash wars. NetSuite.com slash wars. In June of 1973, Robert Bob Crandall, vice president for data services at American Airlines, boards a plane from New York bound for Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where American Airlines runs a data center. American Airlines is already the most computerized company in the industry. It's been running IBM's semi-automatic business research environment, or Sabre, as it's known, since 1962. The data collection system has given American an advantage. No other airline has as complete a picture of how many people are flying on its planes in any given day. Many airlines still use typewriter-style terminals to enter reservations or even take them by hand. In this era of government regulation, airlines live in a protective cocoon. There is little incentive for the airlines to capture market efficiencies and competitive advantages through technology. So, few carriers bother to address this complex, error-prone system. Crandall is one of the few who believes this is mission critical. And he's only been with American for three months. But the 38-year-old, six-foot, two-inch, rail-thin Rhode Islander with a foul mouth has already given American's board of directors an earful. He's told them that the company can make a lot more money by using data to more tightly schedule its flights. Now, he's en route to Tulsa, to find a way to do just that. As Crandall arrives at the Tulsa Data Center, Max Hopper greets him. Hopper is a 37-year-old Texan and a pioneering whiz with corporate data processing. Hopper leads Crandall down a long hallway and into an elevator. They're going to the basement. They enter a room packed to the ceiling with boxes. Well, here we are, Bob. In these boxes, we have a thousand cathode ray tube monitors. They're still in the original plastic. Been right here for two years. They've never been touched. Ah, and, and we can use these things to computerize our reservations to give us all kinds of new data? We can. We can. These displays with keyboards in our mainframes could really be something powerful. I've been trying to tell everyone that. We could computerize reservations. We could collect better data and have tighter control over flight scheduling. I don't get it. Why aren't we using these? Well, the problem is that the marketing department oversees reservations. They don't care about streamlining things. They'd have to pay to have these systems put into use. And they refuse to do that. So, here they are in the basement. Well, that's just goddamn stupid. I'm going to get these things out of here. We're going to change everything. It's just after midnight on January 13th, 1974. A couple thousand feet above Interstate 35 in Dallas, American Airlines Flight 341 dips right in the darkened sky. For decades, all other air traffic on this approach path into Dallas has turned left at this point, heading for Love Field. But American Flight 341 from Memphis isn't going to Love Field. Maintaining 170 knots, American 341. American 341, runway 17, right, clear to land. Clear to land, American 341. Thank you. The plane touches down at 12.07 a.m. It is the first commercial passenger flight to arrive at the brand-new Dallas-Fort Worth, or DFW Airport. Flights from Braniff and Texas International and Delta and United and TWA will follow soon behind. But Southwest Airlines pledges never to put its wheels down at the new airport. Just hours after American 341 touches down, Muse signs off on a press release announcing Southwest Airlines' first annual profit. If those profits are gonna continue, they need to keep flying from Love Field, which is only 15 minutes by car from downtown Dallas, compared to 45 minutes to DFW. At Love, Southwest has a heartbeat. At DFW, it'll be dead. Trouble is, everyone in the business, and the politicians too, have lined up to force Southwest to move. A few months after that first American flight lands at DFW, on a hot mid-afternoon day in June, 1974, Max Hopper is standing on a corner in Manhattan, waiting again for Bob Crandall Hopper's planning to accidentally bump into Crandall on his lunch break as he's leaving American Airlines headquarters Hopper's been planning this for days Finally he spies Crandall's slim frame from across the street and makes a quick dash over to him Hey, hey, Bob, how are you? So funny I'd run into you You know, I've just heard that the American Society of Travel Agents is trying to develop a computerized reservation system that would take all of the flight data from the airlines, you know, like the information we have about our airline inside a Sabre, and put it into one system. The agents would be able to book flights through this system without even making a phone call to any airline. And they'd own this system. American has built its schedule to take advantage of the current way travel agents typically book flights. A technological change like this could hurt them. As it is now, American gets preferential treatment from travel agents. Damn it! If they owned the system, they could give preference to some other carrier like those bastards at United. My God, if, if we don't have a say in the system they develop, who knows what might happen? These people could cut out American Airlines altogether. Hopper and Crandall stand on that noisy corner for a moment in silence. Hopper knows what this means, and now Crandall does too. They are on the cusp of a new battle, one that many of their competitors don't even know about. If they can make Sabre the core of the new computerized reservation system travel agents use, American will gain unprecedented insight into its competitors' flights, insight that can tip the competitive balance in its favor. American has the weapon of destruction at its disposal. It just has to deploy it. In the next episode of Southwest vs. American Airlines, American gins up Sabre, opening a new frontier in the war with Southwest. And no amount of Shivas Regal can stop that. From Wondery, this is Episode 2 of Southwest vs. American for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a 5-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen one week early and ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com slash survey. And tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Joe Guinto wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Produced by Emily Frost. Kate Young is our associate producer. Our producer is Dave Schilling. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez, for Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wondery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, The Wondery App, or wherever you're listening right now.